All right, let's pray. Father, we come to you acknowledging our uh, dependence upon you. We need you every hour, and we need you this hour. So please uh, illumine our minds, help us to see um, the clarity of the scriptures, and and then uh, may your spirit apply it to us as we seek to uh, put these things into practice. We pray for your help in this, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've finally made it to the top of the mountain that we've been trying to climb in this last month, and uh, today we'll at last talk about how to choose a course of action to take when none of the options are sin, when all of the options are good, when they're all Christ-honoring, when they're all loving. How do we make a choice uh, when that is the case? And so we'll be addressing how to think about and respond to those moments in life when we ask ourselves, what is God's will for me to do? What is He calling me to do? And uh, particularly when the Scriptures don't speak directly to the answer that we're looking for. So, what is God's will for our lives? What do we know for sure is God's will for our life? How, how would you answer that question? Okay, to glorify, spread the gospel. Okay, the commands in Scripture. Uh, we're going to look at a couple examples. First um, Thessalonians 5:17, and everything with prayer and thanksgiving, make your requests known unto God. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Or First Thessalonians 4:3, this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. So. We have some clear expressions of what we know God's will is, and those are the things that, that we can be sure about. Those are the things that we ought to pursue. And um, I argued last week or suggested last week that, that the majority of the decisions that we make have to do um, less with, you know, should I choose A or B um, when it comes to uh, these, what I've been calling non-moral choices, and it has more to do with, should I obey God or not? Should I take this step of obedience with God or not? And we tend to focus on, on the, what I would call, less important decisions and instead of what God has revealed very clearly in His Word. So what, what does He want for us? Well, God, is creating, God has created all things. He's, or, he, he's ordained all things and He's working out all things for His pleasure so that He would be glorified and our place in that is that He's working to sanctify us. He's working us to change us into the image of His Son. And so if that's the case, then, then we ought to submit ourselves to what He has made clear to us. And um, that's why we have the Scriptures. So um, we can summarize what we've covered so far in the simple phrase of thinking God's thoughts after Him. Or maybe uh, a more biblical phrase, not that that's anti-biblical, but, but one that's actually derived from the Scriptures, making every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, 2 Corinthians 10.5. So basically what we're trying to do in this world of all sorts of choices and confusion, what we're trying to do is we're trying to see things the way God sees things. So how do we do that? And, and it starts with, what are the commands that He's given to us? What do we absolutely have to be about in our lives? 
And then secondly, it starts with matters of wisdom. I mean, it moves to matters of wisdom. So, um, so this leads us to, um, to this idea of wisdom. And this is what we're going to spend a lot of our time on today. Um, wisdom. This will help us to, to start making decisions. We have a, uh, lots of wisdom in the scripture. Um, that is how to make choices when when the when the choice between A and B is not clear. The scriptures help us in that way to to do that. In fact, we have a whole book of wisdom called the Proverbs, and this will help us as we seek to make wise decisions. If we know where we're going, know that God is ultimately working to glorify us through Jesus Christ and and bring us to a place of ultimate sanctification that is glorification. And if God is working within us to, to change us, then that doesn't make us fatalistic. It doesn't mean we just kind of sit on our hands and, all right, you know, we do nothing. Instead, no, we make choices um, recognizing that we can do this with freedom from guilt and anxiety and freedom to choose. And the tool that we're going to use in order to make those choices is wisdom. Wisdom is simply thinking about the life, thinking about life the way that the creator of life thinks about life. Wisdom is seeing things as they are. Seeing things as God sees them. That's wisdom. It's having a right perception of things. And so what we want to do is we want to be able to make choices based on reality. What is most important? And that's why when you come to a decision between you know, the, these two options that are non-moral choices, well, we need, there's a lot of factors that might go into that. And, and seeing things how God sees, seeing things the way God sees them, seeing what God prioritizes ought to have some effect on which choice that we make. Uh, Christian uh, apologist Cornelius Van Til says that true human knowledge corresponds to the knowledge which God has of himself and his world. And that's really what we're looking for. We want to have the, the same kind of knowledge or at least to the level of knowledge that God, God has. Now, obviously, we can't reach the knowledge of God, but he has laid out for us all sorts of wisdom here in his word. And so we ought to diligently pursue that wisdom. Others have called wisdom the art of living well in the creator's world. So it's not just seeing things properly, but it's also responding to things properly. Turn to Proverbs chapter 22. So we want to be able to see things properly and then actually be able to respond to them. Proverbs 22. Let someone read verse 3. Okay, so the prudent sees the evil ahead of him and he avoids it, goes around it, avoids it completely, hides himself. But the naive apparently sees it but walks right on into it. So it's not just seeing uh, reality, it's actually responding in the proper way. So in this case, the wise person sees it, recognizes the danger in it, and he hides himself, he avoids it, and the naive goes on through. 
And so, uh, turn back to chapter 21, verse 30. Be on the same page there. And would someone read that? Okay. There's no counsel apart from the Lord. There's no counsel that, that can supersede what the Lord knows. And so what, what better source of wisdom than do we have than in God? God is wisdom. He doesn't have a storehouse of wisdom and He kind of has to draw from it when He wants to know something. He is wisdom. We draw from His wisdom. And so the best place for us to go when we need to see things clearly and then respond to them is to the Scriptures. And this is not just our invention, you know, following after wisdom. Um, This is something that God has called all of us to do as believers. Listen to these imperatives that Paul gives in Ephesians and Colossians. Ephesians 5, 15 to 17. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. So that's a command. Be careful how you walk. Walk as wise people, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What the will of the Lord is. And in this case, he's not saying the decreed will of God that's planned all of eternity, how God's going to bring all things to pass. He's not saying understand that will of God. He's not trying to say, understand what the will of God in in this secret direction that he has for us, like who I'm going to marry, which job I'm going to have, when I'm going to die. We We don't seek God's wisdom in that. No, what he's talking about is what God has revealed to us. That that we ought to seek that. Don't be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Right here. Seek to know the scriptures as best as you can and, and make choices based on what you know. Or Colossians one nine. Paul says, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you, to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So we want to be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So how do we get filled with the knowledge of His will? Well, partly by people praying for us. Paul's praying for that to happen. But through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Where does spiritual wisdom come from? Do we just kind of bake it up in our minds and then make choices? Spiritual wisdom is derived from the Scriptures. And so what he's saying is we understand what the will of the Lord is by knowing the Scriptures. He doesn't say that we need to ascend into the secret counsel of God and wrestle out His mind some hidden knowledge that, that, that we can't know. No, He's saying, make a decision that is best for any given time. Make an informed decision. Don Carson says that spiritual wisdom and understanding constitute the means by which God fills us with the knowledge of His will. So, guidance comes when, when we are made wise. Wisdom comes when we seek the Word. There's, the Bible is not a, a case book or a decoder journal. God gives us more than just a... a um, a to-do list, right? I've 
asked this question before, but, but could not God, if he wanted to, could he not tell us every single choice that we ever had to make in life? Could he not make a book that was designed specifically for us so that we knew choice A over choice B? Okay, Always, Choose this one, not that one. Go to this job, not that one. Right? Could not God do that if he wanted to? But he didn't. And that's because Christianity is not about a list of do's and don'ts primarily. Christianity is about a relationship. Right? It would be like, you know, if, um, if a husband and wife decided that the best way that we can get along is just by creating a list for one another. We're going to have a list of what you can do and what you can't do, what, what pleases me, what doesn't please me. And, and that's not what a, a relationship is about, is it? It's about getting to know that person, finding out their interests, their hates, their likes, their dislikes, and then making choices based on that. Right? And I think God expects us to be, not to be crass, as if He's, he's a, um, you know, a, a spouse or something like that. But, but, but God expects us to have a relationship with Him. Not a list of do's and don'ts. He doesn't give us that. Instead, He expects us to know Him. And here's what Kevin DeYoung puts in his book, uh, Just Do Something. He says, Wisdom is the difference between having a world-class writer to write your paper for you and working under a world-class writer so that you can learn to write like them. So, which is God trying to do? I mean, if, if, if we had the list of do's and don'ts, we would be effectively mindless followers, wouldn't we? I mean, we still have a choice to make. Are we going to obey or not? But we're really not using discernment. We're not using wisdom. We're not trying to wrestle with the various struggles that are here and, and the challenges that might come when we make a choice. Instead, God be, has become to us more like a genie. And we, we just go to the Scriptures when we want something, tell us what you want, and then, then we'll do it. And I think what God is, is teaching us in teaching us wisdom is that He's not going to give us a crystal ball. He's not going to tell us what's going to happen. He's, I mean, there certainly are do's and don'ts in the Scriptures, and we ought to follow them, not trying to minimize that. But that's not all there is. Instead, He's working to build a relationship with us. And we'll see that if we find wisdom, it will keep us from the pagan ideas that subtly seduce us into their way of thinking. So how do we do this? How do we get wisdom? How does a person become wise? What we need to keep in mind is that this does not happen overnight. Turn back to Proverbs chapter 2. Because often what happens is we get to a critical crossroads in life. We have to make a choice. And this is when we want God in our lives. Because we think that, that, that this decision is so critical, and yet we need to recognize that wisdom doesn't happen overnight. And so we shouldn't wait for major decisions in life to go to God. We should have, especially when we've ignored Him all along, right? Like the teenager that I mentioned last week is kind of ignoring his parents. And then when it's time to make a big choice in life, then he all of a sudden wants to hear what they have to say. And what they're trying to teach him is, you know what, I, we have been trying to teach you. 
how to make this choice for yourself. And you haven't listened. And so I think our responsibility is to, to, um, to consider God's ways long before the decision time comes. Now, obviously, we ought to seek God's face when it's time to make that decision. But that shouldn't be the only time. Notice Proverbs 2, verse 1. You have a series of if statements in verses 1 through 4. And then you have a then statement. So if you do this, then this will happen. This is what Solomon's teaching his son. And I think we ought to learn from it. My son, if you receive my commands, and we could imply if you treasure my commandments within you, if you make your ear attentive to wisdom, if you incline your heart to understanding, for if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasure. So there, there's what he's supposed to do. Here's your responsibility, son. If you do all these things, you seek for them like you would seek for hidden treasure. If you had a treasure map in your backyard and you knew there was a, tre- a treasure there, then you would, you would spend time finding that treasure. And if we search, for the, search the Scriptures like we search for hidden treasure, then what's going to happen? Verses 5 and following, really to the end of the chapter, but we're just going to focus on the first uh, through verse 9. Then you will discern the fear of the Lord. Then you will discover the knowledge of God. The Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice. He preserves the way of His godly ones. Then you will discern the righteousness and justice and equity in every good thing. He goes on to say in verses 10 and 11 that you'll receive more blessings from God. You'll have discretion and understanding. Then verses 12 to the end of the chapter, he basically says, and you'll be able to avoid evil. So here, here's the... Here's the point of this chapter and really, I think, the whole book of Proverbs. And it is this. If we pursue after God's wisdom, we will understand the ways of the Lord, verses 5 through 11, and we will avoid evil. So we need to search after it. And we will understand the ways of the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to know all the secret things of God. Right? Right? There, there are secrets that belong to God that we cannot know, Deuteronomy 29, 29. But we will understand as, a fine, as best a finite person can the ways of God. And isn't that what we're looking for when we make choices? We want to know God's mind. We want, we want to do what God would do in this situation. And that's a good desire to have. But what I want to encourage us this morning is that wisdom's not going to come to us. We have to go after it. We have to search after it for, like we would for hidden treasure. It requires active, not passive um, action. In Proverbs eight seventeen, 17, um, Solomon says, I love those who love me and those who diligently seek me will find me. He's talking... Uh, there it's wisdom personified as talking. I love those who love me and those who diligently seek me will find me. So how practically do we get wisdom? And uh, we don't have time to go through all these, but I've listed those there for you and have included references in Proverbs. And these are just um, not certainly not an exhaustive list. Okay, so, but, but here's the kind of attitude we need if we're going to get wisdom. We need to have an attitude of reverence. We need to have an attitude of humility. And maybe one of the biggest ones, we, have an, we need to have an attitude of teachability, right? That, that we 
if we are in a position where we're unwilling to change our mind when we see a better way, then, then we either are a God of our own making or we are mistaken. Okay, wis- wisdom says that we as finite people recognize that we still need to learn. So th- this assortment of verses here for teachability uh, would be helpful to, to consider. Uh, diligence, we need to have a heart of diligence, uprightness, faith. Okay, so that's the posture we need as we seek wisdom. If we are missing these things, then we shouldn't be surprised if we're living like fools or acting like fools, right? So, what can we do? What, what should our approach be? Let me, uh, let me uh, take you through this and then see if you have any questions. All right, three things. How do we pursue wisdom? If we have the pro- proper posture or attitude, what is our approach? Number one, prayer. James 1, 5, and 6, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously without reproach. So we would be foolish to seek after wisdom without including God. Right? That doesn't make sense. We seek God through His Word and we, we call on God for help. Uh, James says in, in chapter 4 that there's two reasons that we don't get what we want. One is we don't ask. And the second is we ask with what? Selfish right, selfish motives so that we can consume them on our own lusts. So, so instead, we need to ask in faith without doubting, James 1.6 says. For anyone who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Don't be a double-minded man and stable in all his ways. So we start with prayer. If we're going to seek wisdom, if we're, we're wanting to see what God has to say, then it starts with prayer. Uh, Colossians 1, 9 and 10, uh, a verse that we focused on on Wednesday night to use as a springboard for our prayers. We have not ceased to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects. So how do I walk in a manner that's worthy of you, God? How do I please you in every respect? Well, it starts with prayer that we need to be asking God to fill us with the knowledge of His will. Secondly, Scripture. We need to turn to the Scriptures. Right? It, I think seeking God's will through prayer without turning to the Scriptures doesn't make sense. Right? We're, we're seeking for an answer, but then we're not listening. And this is the way that we listen, right? We talk to God. This is something that we teach our kids from a very small age. If, if we were Christians at that time, right? We teach them. We talk to God through prayer. We listen to God through the Word. That's absolutely right. And we should, we should, um, we should uh, uh, follow our own advice to our children, right? That, that when we are looking for wisdom, we ought to hear from God. We ask God for help, and then we listen to His response. And this includes meditation on God's Word, which is not an emptying of the mind, but a filling of the mind with truth. Um, Psalmist says in Psalm 119, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. So how do you get wiser? We would say to the psalmist, Well, listening to God's ways, listening to His commandments. He goes on to say, I have more insight than all my teachers. 
for, for your testimonies are my, my meditation. I understand more than the aged because I have observed your precepts. So, again, we could go on and look at several of these verses, but for sake of time, uh, I think this is a pretty straightforward point, but I did list them there for you. Thirdly, counselors and teachers. So, it's not just... Now, this is not for every single decision. Uh, hopefully, you know, obviously, we have decisions that we can make every day. We make thousands of decisions every day. And we don't need a counselor to, to help us. But there are specific and difficult decisions that we make where we ask God for help. We look to the Scriptures, don't really know still the answer, and so we need to seek with, uh, wise counselors associating with the wise. And this is clear from the book of Proverbs in 11.14. We're, we're in Proverbs. Let's just look at these passages so you know that I'm not you know, trying to start a counseling business or something. Um, Proverbs 11.14, where there is no guidance, the people fall. But in abundance of counselors, there is victory. Okay, so, so there's, there's value to it, isn't there? To seeking counselors. Chapter 13, verse 20. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So hang around other people who are wise. Talk to them about the situations, the challenges that are facing you, and then ask them for, for advice. How about chapter 15, verse 22? Without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors they succeed. And I found this to be true myself. You know, sometimes there are things that I just presume that I know what the right answer is and didn't decide to seek counselors because of either pride or some other reason. And, and uh, as a result, I, I saw that that plan didn't really work out very well. And if I just had um, consulted someone who was wise, then, then perhaps it would have avoided the, the trouble that I endured or, or faced or caused, really. Um, so, so seek God in prayer, seek God in the Scriptures, and seek God's wisdom in counselors. Absolutely. It's not as exciting as fleeces and, and visions and horoscopes, but, but so be it. It's the way that God set it up. It's the outworking of faith, isn't it? It's trusting that God knows what we need God has written down everything that we need and then we rely on it. Any questions on getting wisdom? All right. How to apply wisdom. You're going to find some overlap here uh, as we go through this. How do we apply this? So, Getting wisdom, we need to pursue it. It's not going to happen passively. It's not going to happen with us doing nothing, uh, we need to, to go after it. Go after wisdom. Ask God for help in wisdom, James 1. And then um, search for it in the Scriptures. So let's talk about the process of decision-making. Um, think about how to use wisdom. What does the actual process itself look like? There are many path, paths that we could take to make decisions. And there there's no foolproof plans. I mean, often what I've found is well, well, here's a here's kind of a structure for us. I I don't always follow this structure in order, and I found that God has been been gracious to me. Um, 
And so there's not one kind of foolproof, you've got to do it in this order, this kind of thing, but, but rather I think these are the elements that ought to be involved when we're making, making choices. Again, first, we begin with prayer. How do we apply this wisdom that we've received? It begins with prayer. Now, we're not asking for a voice from the sky, but we are asking for wisdom and to recognize the true state of affairs. That to, to recognize our position before God. God, we are 100% dependent upon You. All of our lives are dependent upon You forever. And so we, we acknowledge that in prayer. And what we ought to recognize about prayer is that prayer is not our attempt to conform God's will to ours, but rather that, that God would con- conform us to His will. Right? Isn't that what happened with Jesus in the garden? He goes with a specific request, let this cup be passed from me. And He didn't conform God to His will. He didn't conform the Father to His will, did He? Instead, God conformed him, not that he was disobedient or anything, but but uh, but that's what prayer often does. Have you noticed that? That when you go to God in prayer, that, that we're seeking to, we know what we want, we know how we want to get it, and, and as we pray and pray and pray, and then we start to realize that God's actually changing me to conform me into His will. And that's what prayer ought to do. It ought to humble ourselves it ought to humble us before God and bring our wills into conformity with His. That's why we pray, not my will be done, God, but yours, along with our, with our Savior. And, and what will God do for us? The truth is, is that God's not clearly going to light up the door that we need to take. Uh, God's not going to give us a sign to tell us which door to go to. But what He is going to do is He's going to take the wisdom that's a, that we have and illumine our minds. I've mentioned before that the reason we need illumination, not just when we come to Christ, but ongoing as a Christian, is because our minds are naturally disinclined toward the things of God. We naturally set up a barrier and are darkened to the spiritual things. And what the Spirit does is He, as we... As we submit ourselves to the Word, He illumines the Scriptures to help us to see not only that what is there is true, but also that it's significant, it's valuable for us. And so this helps us to, to be able to apply this wisdom. Because often the, the, the roadblocks that we have to going through this door, this, this door of decision that we're making, is, is sometimes our own flesh. And we need to we need to recognize that that God needs to illumine us through His Spirit. Um, also, God helps us, I think, when we pray to remind us of things that we already know about His will. Right? I mean, certainly we can't go back and just comb the entire Scriptures in one sitting and say, okay, now hopefully I can just bring back all to recall everything I need to know that will be effective for this decision. But, but God graciously can bring to mind clear truth of Scripture and, and help us to see how that plays into our decision-making that, that's coming up. Maybe it's 
a passage that was just preached recently. You know, maybe uh, maybe the pastor was going through Genesis or something. We were learning about faith and how to trust God even when things seemed impossible. And maybe that plays into my decision. Like, I, I know what the best thing that, that has to happen, but I know if I do this, it's going to cause some negative repercussions for me. And so I don't know if I want to do that. And God helps use the Scriptures. Has He not done this for you? Helps use the Scriptures that you've maybe recently heard or maybe a long time ago and just brings it to mind and, and reminds you that, you know what, I am faithful. Is there anything too hard for me? And so I think that's what we're looking at when we're, that's what we're looking for when we're asking for God to, to help us in this decision-making process. Reveal to us, remind us what we already know or what we've been what we've seen before in the Scripture. He's not going to bring to light something that we don't know. Right? Secondly, search the Scriptures. Okay, so getting wisdom, we pray, search, search the Scriptures. We, applying wisdom, we pray, search the Scriptures. And what we're searching for here is not a key verse like when I was looking to go in the choir. Right? I found a verse about a choir in the Old Testament. That's not what we're looking for. Instead, what we're looking for is we're looking for principles or commands that specifically relate to the decision that I need to make. For example, what does the Bible have to say about marriage? Okay, pray to God. God, please help me making this decision. Well, what does the Bible have to say? Well, it has much to say. And one of the areas regarding marriage is what a godly spouse looks like. Right? That, that a husband ought to be one who lovingly cares for his wife and that cares for her like he cares for his own body. Who, who wants, most of all, her sanctification. Right? And so, ladies, as you're looking for a husband, you're looking for someone that is going to... is already in conformity to that sort of idea. That is, that they care more about the spiritual well-being of a person than they do about anything else. What else does the Bible have to say about marriage? Well, the Bible, in Genesis 2, Moses writes of the marriage relationship as, as where um, the two help each other worship God better than when they were alone. So we may ask, ask ourselves, how do these principles shape the way that we go about finding a spouse and pursuing marriage? And then we look at these variables in a biblical manner. So here are the variables here. Uh, discernment handout is non-existent, so apologize for that. I think I had that last time I taught this. I should have looked that up and got that for you. But um, if I remember, I'll do that for next time. apologize for that. So first, matters of righteousness. Matters of righteousness. That's what we talked about last week. You know, um, basically we're asking, is this sin? Is this a matter of sin? Is this something that's prohibited in, in the Scripture? Uh, is, this, is this going to help me to love that person? Is this an expression of love in doing this? Obviously, if it's sin, then we don't do it. If it's selfish, not loving, then we ought to repent. And, and so, this, this helps us. And thinking how to make decisions, we need to think, first of all, with regard to matters of righteousness. The other um, 
aspect or variable with regard to searching the Scriptures is considering matters of judgment. This is where our wisdom comes in. You know, there may be two paths that are equally honoring to God, equally edifying to others, equally sanctifying to you, but you still need to make a choice. And, and you have the freedom to make that choice. Here is where we just make a matter of judgment. We make a choice. It's not a matter of right or wrong here. This is where wisdom is demonstrated. We try to take all the factors of what God has taught us and what we know. We pray to God for help. We search His Word and then we, we are free to make a choice. And then matters of triviality. Of course, in a universe that's completely controlled by God, there's technically nothing that's trivial. But let's face it, there are issues that are less trivial than others, or, or I should say more trivial than others, right? Whether I should wear blue or black socks today, or, you know, what, does, what really effect does that have on it? How much, how much thought should we put into those kinds of decisions, right? So we need to keep those in mind as we're making uh, biblical decisions and thinking about what, what is best. That is, we need, to, we need to consider what is most important, priorities, right? We need to, to evaluate those things. That's, that's what um, wisdom is. So let's talk a little bit more about that second one, matters of judgment, because that's really where this class is is focused matters of judgment how do we know what to do when there is something that's equally glorifying to God equally edifying equally uh, sanctifying for me which one do I knew which one do I do well first ask the right questions will this glorify God or is this primarily about my glory does this prove to be loving to other people or is this selfish? Will this sanctify me or will it slow me down? And often what happens when we make these choices is, you know, what's going to be the best? We're often asking the question, what's going to be best for my pocketbook or what's going to be best for my physical health? And, you know, Paul didn't really think that way. Jesus didn't think, think that way, Right? thinking, well, you know, I'm, is this really best for me personally? My physical health, being in a Philippian jail might not be the best thing for me. So maybe I should just keep it quiet here. It's, you know, when we ask the wrong questions, we should expect to get the wrong answers. And so we need to be asking the right questions. Does this glorify God or does this glorify me? Does this show love to others or is this selfish? Is this sanctifying to God or, or to others? Is this sanctifying to me? So when it comes to these issues where we come to two doors that are equally good, then we need to make sure that we're asking the right question. And the reality is that God does not have two plans. He has one plan. And, and the primary thing that He's doing in you, whether you choose door A or B, is what? What is the primary thing that He's doing in you? He's sanctifying you, right? Go back to Romans 8, verse 29 to see that. 
We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to His purpose. And, 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 the, and that good that He's doing in us is not the good pocketbook and the, the good help. It's spiritual conformity to the image of Christ. So whether we choose A or B, on the other side of that door, we can be sure that God's leading us to sanctification. That's God's priority in all of it. Now, unfortunately, that's not the top thing on our agenda all the time. And a lot of times it is. That's good. But, but there are other times when it's not. God's priority is for us to be godly. Whether we're single, married, whether we're married to Drusella or Mary Lou or any other person, God's primary desire for us is conformity to the image of Son of his son. So at the end of all of it, what he wants to see is us conform to the image of Christ. Second, um, we should we should recognize that that God's ways are best. God's ways are best. Faith, right? Trusting that 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 God's ways are best. Lest we think we have a better method for living a good life than God does. We, we go to the Scriptures, find out what He wants, what He prioritizes, and we do it. Psalm 18.30 says, As for God, His way is blameless. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a shield to all who take refuge in Him. So, first, ask the right question. Second, trust God that He has a good plan for us. And that good plan is to conform us into the image of Christ. And then third, do it ethically. Whatever you do, do it ethically. This is the focus on the how over the what. That I'm more concerned, um, that, that I'm not just concerned with what I'm doing. Okay? I don't want to minimize the what. The what is important. But I'm not just concerned with that. I'm also concerned with how I do it. And then finally, we need to set priorities. We need to set priorities. So this one is where it really becomes difficult because we have all these hats that we're wearing, right? And here's um, James Petty in his book, Step by Step, gives an illustration of, of this challenge that we have of trying to set priorities. He says, for example, when I come home from work, I must choose whether to spend some time debriefing with my wife because the scripture says husbands love your wives or to spend time answering an urgent phone call from a counselee because the scriptures also say, feed my sheep. I can't do both at once. If I try, I'll just create problems on both fronts. On a longer term basis, I also make priority decisions about whether I will coach Little League. For the scriptures say, fathers, bring up your children. Do not exasperate them. Or whether I should join the, the building committee of the, of the church. Because the scriptures also tell me to be steadfast, unmoved, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. Well, if I can do both, I must decide when to do them, Little League and the building committee. I may also have to decide between them if one of us is, is significantly uh, greater importance than the other. And all of these forms are lo of love are commanded by the Lord. That is, love your wife, feed the sheep, right? care for your children, and abound in the work of the Lord. All of those things are forms of love commanded by the Lord, but they require discernment and are the setting of priorities regarding what we do and when. 
This is the challenge that we face, right? We may have good motives, but we have all of these options that are out there of what we should do. So we have to we have to make priorities. After we've considered God's word, then again we seek wise counsel. We seek wise counsel in, in understanding wisdom, getting wisdom, then we seek wise counsel in applying the wisdom. Um, one of the great values of doing this is that um, people who are wise, people understand the scriptures uh, more than you do, because there's always somebody that understands more than you do, right? So you should be able to find somebody that you can talk to and, and ask wisdom. One of the values that I've found when I've sought wisdom is that they see things that I don't see. Right? I'm looking at it from one perspective and I'm considering these priorities and, and they may be good priorities, but then they come along and show me something else that I hadn't really considered. And that's the value of counselors. Don't use them as a fail-safe. You know, like, well, I'm just going to have them tell me what to do. I'll make the decision based on what they tell me. That way, if it doesn't work out for me, then I can come back and blame it on them. I've seen that as well. And I've actually um, tried to do that myself when I wanted to, to be passive. Um, I'll just go seek the counselor and see what he says, and, and then I'll make him decide. And, and he wisely said, I'm not going to decide. Um, you need to do that for yourself. It wasn't a matter of, of sin and, and, um, and, and holiness. It was, a matter, it was one of these types of issues. And then after that, then, then act. Don't be paralyzed by the overwhelming nature of the decisions. If you, if you, have, if, if you have prayed, if you've, you're not in unrepentant sin, if you are filled with the Scriptures, filled with the Spirit, you're listening to wise counsel, then make a choice. Without fear, trust in God. Move ahead. Don't over-spiritualize the decision. Make the best choice that you can with the information that you have and trust that God knows what's on the other side of that door. This is Gary Friesen, um, a thicker book on the will of God. Um, I've read parts of it. haven't read the whole thing, but, but I found what I saw in there to be helpful. And here's what he says in, in his book, Decision Making in the Will of God. When it came time for me to choose which college I would attend, my parents were very helpful as we discussed, discussed the options together. Their loving concern was evident, but they refrained from suggesting what I should do. As I agonized over the decision, there were times when I wished they would just tell me which school to choose, but they wouldn't. Instead, they assured me that I was mature enough to come to a good decision myself, and I was encouraged by the knowledge that they were praying for me. Were my parents withholding guidance? No. For nearly 20 years, they had provided guidance that I could, appropriate, I, I could appropriate for this decision. Were they unloving, disinterested, impersonal? No, quite the contrary. Their insistence that I come to my own conclusion was actually an evidence of their love, wasn't it? In making their wisdom available to me, they were personally involved. And then, here's the point. In a similar way, our Heavenly Father personally guides His children. Right? So when we go to God... We have a choice to make, and, and God doesn't give us a specific answer. Does that mean that, that he, he doesn't want us to have wisdom? He doesn't want us to make the right choice? Does that mean He's unloving? Absolutely not. Right? He, he's expecting us to take the resources, the wisdom that we have, that He has laid out for us, 
all the training that we've had up until this point and use it to make that choice. Now, again, it'd be foolish for us to just rashly just make a choice without considering these steps first. That's why we cannot miss this first part. Pray, seek the scriptures, seek wise counsel, set priorities. Right? But then, God's saying, this is how I'm telling you, this is how I'm teaching you to make the decision. Do you see? And then, after you've made a decision, then trust God. We want God to give us the answers. We want God to show us the end from the beginning so that we can say, God, God, you are trustworthy. But here's the thing is God already has shown himself to be trustworthy, has he not? We, we don't know what the future holds, but, but we trust in the God who holds the future. And so because we know that God's plan is best, we can radically commit ourselves to his will of desire without fretting over any hidden um, uh, traps or hidden will of direction. God is good and, and we can make these choices with confidence knowing that he loves us and that he's got a good plan for us. We know that plan, right? That, that he is conforming us into the image of his son. If God's already given us his greatest gift, Jesus Christ, Romans 8.32, then how will he not also with him freely give us all things? All right. Let me just conclude by saying um, just that statement there at the bottom of the back page. God does not, middle of the page, God does not give a map. He gives a compass. And that compass always points towards righteousness in Christ. That compass itself is the Bible. God's sure word to mankind. So when I say he doesn't give a map, the idea is there. He doesn't tell us every single turn that we need to make in order to get to our destination. But you can be sure that you're on that destination if you're a Christian. And he, he gives you the direction that you ought to go. Keep your eyes focused on that and then make a choice. You see, God's will is not hidden. It's open to us. He's revealed it to us in his word. And so we're free to, to study it, to understand it, and then to, to make a choice. All right, next week we want to take an example and see what this looks like. All right, pick an example of uh, choosing a job. And um, so I hope, hope this will be helpful as we work through it. All right, well, I've gone long, so let me pray. And if you have questions, I'll be happy to, to address them. Thank you, Father, for uh, your word. Thank you that you have not left us without a witness as to what is in your mind, what what we need to know. Um, Lord, you have revealed yourself to us in a clear and powerful way. And, and um, Lord, yet we still have choices that are difficult and, and confusing at times. And so we pray that you'd help us to, to seek your face through prayer and through your word and give us the strength to follow you and not to turn our own way and, and think that we and find a better way apart from you. Pray for your help on that in Jesus' name. Amen.